Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, please. You remember we sent out an email a while back asking for your thoughts about what uh, you'd enjoy learning about, maybe what you believe God would have us learn as a church, and there was some great response. So the entire month of March is, is really geared around those comments that we received. So Dan uh, had shared some comments about the value of wisdom. Uh, then we approached him about speaking on that. So be careful what you suggest. You might be up here with me next week. But, but we've just been very, very blessed by the comments that you've shared. So five Sundays in March, each one is another aspect of, of thoughts that you shared with us. And today is endurance. And Tiffany shared this. And I, it's right on the, right on the target. Um, we need endurance as followers of Christ. And life is hard enough, but then there's those certain seasons, you know, where you go through as a church or as a family or as a country even, where it just seems even tougher. So this is, this is an encouragement. Anytime that I seek encouragement from the word, I just can't escape that God's blessing, that God's uplifting uh, hand always seems to involve me being willing to receive it, me being willing to change my mindset or adjust how I live so that God's blessing can be made manifest in my life. Have you noticed that? It's not that God is making us jump through hoops. It's like the prodigal son's father who's there with open arms. It's my heart that turns my back to him. It's my attitude that says, stay at arm's length. It's my actions or my disobedience that hinders me from enjoying the true blessing and comfort and endurance that Almighty God wants to give me on a daily basis. So understand our purpose is encouragement today. The practical side of that is there's changes that I need to make in my life in order to take full advantage of the uh, help and assurance of working through endurance, walking with Christ. So um, not a week off by any means. We need to work hard to grow in our obedience, but we'll ask God to help on that. Father, you're the beginning and the end. You're the greatest. You're the chief among all. And uh, amazingly, you've chosen to love us and you've chosen to um, bring us close. And Lord, we thank you for our Savior. We know that in my, on my own, I'm a... Um, a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of your standards. I know that uh, one simple selfish act, Lord, has disqualified me for um, having a close relationship with you. But thanks be to God who's given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Father, for sending our Savior Jesus to take that penalty for my sin, to die and, and pay the price, and then to rise again in power and victory over sin and death and hell. Lord, the hard part's been done. The victory's been won. Um, but we're told to wage battle. We're told to run the race. We're told to steadfastly follow. And we need your help on that. We pray that your spirit would touch each of our hearts to give us willing hearts to obey. And then we look forward to you doing the work. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 12 is, is very familiar, but um, don't let the famili familiarity slow you down with learning what maybe God would have for your heart. Let's take a look at um, verse 1 of chapter 12. 
And then I want to share another verse from Ecclesiastes that ties last week's message, I think, right into our quest for endurance. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm a picture guy. Maybe you can relate. What's the picture here that we're given for our life? Can't hear anybody. A race. Thank you. Run the race. Run the race. Uh, I wish Anita was here, but she's not, so that means I get to brag about her and embarrass her, even though she's down teaching Sunday school. I have been so impressed that Anita has learned to be a runner. How long, Anna? How long ago did she start that? Okay. And now she heads out the door and will run, what, five? Three to five miles. Just, okay, I'm ready to go. She has become a runner and she has built up an endurance where she can step outside her door and just click off three or five miles. Can you imagine seeing me running three or five miles? No chance. But I admire that and that's the picture that God lays out here, a runner. Think of a marathon runner. Uh, even a, a, in biblical times, that concept of the marathon, that concept of the, the long distance run was, was very prevalent around the area and so that's kind of the picture that we're laid out here. Be a runner in this Christian life. And it's a long, enduring race. And I don't think Anita or anyone would say that when she gets up and she starts running her three to five miles that it's a piece of cake. It's hard work. And there's a reality that we need to understand that the Christian life, the walk following Christ, while we're here, is hard work. Dan shared a verse last week that... um, maybe could be a little discouraging, but it's really not in the grand scheme. We were talking about these values of wisdom and how wisdom was just what we need, um, essential to a life lived for God. And then he pulled out Ecclesiastes 1, uh, verse 18, and it says, Because in much wisdom there's much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. In your outline, you can see that there's a perspective for endurance. This is the start of that perspective. There is a harsh, harsh reality that this life was never designed to be a piece of cake for a follower of Christ. And as we grow in wisdom, as we grow in maturity, as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tiring. It's going to be frustrating. I like uh, another version says, uh, as you increase in wisdom, you will increase in aggravation. Whether it's looking around us, whether it's, it's being frustrated with my own selfishness and sin when I fail, it's tough going. We have to have endurance. And so today, there's no way we can exhaust all these topics, but I want to just hopefully throw out a few nuggets there that I've learned from the Word, and the goal would be that we would increase and and be encouraged to endure. So, first of all, the perspective for endurance. The first thing from Ecclesiastes, and there's going to be three main points on this, 
under the perspective for endurance. The first point is that life is hard. As we increase in wisdom, there's much grief. Increasing knowledge, increasing pain. Oh, real lifter up. Yeah, that's great. But that's the reality. We'll talk more on that, but that's point one in the, the reference Ecclesiastes 1, verse 18. Hebrews 12, run the race with endurance. It's towards the end of a book, uh, the whole book of Hebrews, with very specific purpose. And I had no idea before studying this how tied in to endurance the whole purpose of the, the book relates. But the first 10 plus chapters, the first 10 or so chapters of Hebrews, there's a common theme. Anyone know that common theme? Yes, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christ is better. The supremacy of Christ. Christ is the beginning and the end and everything great in the middle. It's all about Jesus Christ. And so the second point of perspective for endurance is we have to have an understanding, a, a view, a perspective of the realistic point that life is Christ. Christ is supreme. He's the chief. If I think for a minute that it's about me, I've missed the boat completely. And you can read all through Hebrews, and Dr. Frank is right, it'll talk about how Christ is better than the, the old priesthood. The Christ is better than the angels. Christ is more powerful than the law. Verse after verse after verse points to this reality that Christ is supreme. Turn to Colossians 1. You heard me share this last week, but it's just such a powerful perspective shaper. And that's what we need. We need the perspective for endurance. But chapter 1 summarizes this very well. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. By the way, in those verses, do you see the theme of endurance there? Absolutely that you walk day by day, that you keep on keeping on. And then look at the perspective, verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in his light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, and that are in heaven, and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Christ is king. Christ is supreme. Why does everything that was created exist? What did it say? Everything was created by him and for him. 
There is a perspective for endurance that I have to beat into my own thick skull that Christ is preeminent. I am created for Christ. Paul said it great in Philippians. What did he say? To live is Christ. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I have any other focus, if I have any other drive, if I have any other priority than Christ, I have missed my calling in life. Christ is preeminent. And if I can understand and start to appreciate why do I need to run the race with endurance? Because Christ is all and in all. He is supreme. He is the highest. And it has to help then to look over at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Christ is your life. Christ is my life. This is the perspective of endurance. Let me be blunt. I'm convinced that I am dissatisfied with putting Christ supreme. Why? Because what did Christ promise for all those who would live godly? What did he promise? Persecution. Persecution. Jess taught me a valuable lesson from 1 Corinthians 4 last week. Look there with me, please. We've got Christ, and then who would you put next as kind of the heroes of the faith? What's that? Okay, Abraham. Who else? Moses. What would you say, Jess? Paul, right? The Apostle Paul, Moses, Abraham, the Apostle Peter, the Apostles and the Patriarchs, very much men and uh, of incredible, incredible faith and, and living for God himself. And I want to look with you at 1 Corinthians 4 and share with you um, the reality of their position. I'm losing the verse. Help me just with the verse. Where did we start? Thank you. Verse 9. For I think that God has displayed us. Remember who's talking here? Who wrote the book of Corinthians? Paul. Paul is talking about himself and the other apostles. Verse 9. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. These men of faith, these heroes of the faith, what was life like for them? 
it stunk on earth. Life on earth, as far as the world describes it, was miserable, homeless, poor, beaten regularly, persecuted, disrespected. Men, does that strike a chord with you? It sure does with me. I need and love respect. They were disrespected because of their faith in Christ. That is not okay with me. I don't wake up in the morning looking forward to be disrespected, looking forward to to going without. But the heroes of the faith, the apostles and others, lived a tough life here on earth. It was not all about me, me, me. It was about Christ, Christ, Christ. If we're going to get this endurance, if we're going to run this race, we have to understand that life is Christ. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. Anita didn't think for a minute that running three to five miles was going to be a piece of cake. She knew what she was getting into. She knew that there'd be uh, burning lungs and, and uh, maybe even tossing some cookies here and there, right? It's miserable. Real uplifting, but that's the reality of where we are. A life lived for Christ means persecution. And I'm convinced that, that God would have us understand for a perspective that A, Christ is supreme. There is no better life to live than a life lived for Christ. Thankfully, there's promise for eternity of reward and blessing and joy for those who live for Christ. But he also needs to show us that a life lived for Christ for this tiny span of years compared to eternity is hard going. Take a glance at Hebrews 11. Why is Hebrews 11 there? Well, I don't want to speak for God on that, but something that sure helped me was to see example after example of men and women of faith who took the knowledge of Christ being supreme from chapters 1 through 10 of Hebrews and applied it to their life and ran the race with endurance. And I'd urge you, not today or not during our time, but after our time, read through Hebrews chapter 11 and you're going to see examples like the apostles we talked about, examples of men and women of faith who said, Christ is what it's all about and I'm going to live for him. I'm going to have faith, unswerving faith and I'm going to run the race. And all through that chapter, you see tremendous pictures, tremendous pictures of men and women who had that right perspective. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. So the perspective for endurance is that Christ is supreme. No matter what, I need to live for him, understanding that that's going to be painful, understanding that that's not going to be all about me understanding that this sliver of time in the span of eternity is going to be rough going. There's joy, there's abundant joy. John 15 tells us about that. But it's not in glorious circumstances. The joy is found in the comfort and closeness to God himself. One more point in the perspective for endurance, and that is the very point of uh, faith itself. So verse 5 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. Look at that with me. There's going to be a valuable lesson that I'd like to share that I've learned in where faith fits into this whole puzzle. Let's look at verse 1 first. Now faith 
is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And then down to verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For he, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. The last, per- the last point in the perspective for endurance is that faith is the key connector, the key ingredient for taking this understanding that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and living out an enduring run life for Christ. Faith is what allows those two to connect. Faith is what lets me in my uh, weakness, in my head, know that Christ is what it's all about, but in my heart want to live for myself. I've heard faith described, and I like it, forsaking all I trust him, right? Faith is that connection between the knowledge that Christ is supreme and the action of running the race day by day with endurance. I've got to have faith. I've got to have that perspective that says, forsaking all, I trust him. And if you want to write down uh, a few verses, a short passage that you can even memorize and go back to when the going's tough, Hebrews 11, 1 through Hebrews eleven six. That without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Endurance, there's nothing easy about it. But if we have that faith, if we have that uh, forsaking of all, we trust in him, we've got a shot at living that life of endurance and running that race. One more example, uh, a real life example of this faith Chapter 11, verse 23. One more illustration to help us get a hold of the reality of what a life of endurance is all about in its perspective. Verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By the way, who mentioned Moses as a kind of a hero of the faith? Is that you, Pop? Okay. What did it cost By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Tough going, tough going, but it was faith that allowed Moses to say, okay, I've got the temporary riches of Egypt, I've got the eternal rewards of Christ, and he chose the eternal rewards of Christ. And we need to do the same. We need to do the same. I'm told that a, a, a runner, 
will oftentimes picture the finish line, right? And there's a motivation there. I'm told of a story where uh, there was a man uh, out in the cold, and I, I think it was even some sort of crazy rite of passage where he had to survive a night in the cold without any fire and without uh, food and those kind of things. And he went out into the cold, and he came back successful uh, the next day, and they said, how did you do it? And he said, there was someone on a distant hill that had a fire going, and I could just barely see it. And he said, I didn't take my eyes off that fire all night long. And the thought, the promise that tomorrow I'd be warm again in front of a fire like that really helped me keep going. That's the perspective we need to develop here. That's the perspective that Moses had. It's not about now. This is a breath, a glimpse. It's about eternity. It's about the eternal reward of Christ instead of the passing pleasures of sin. Questions or thoughts on that? The perspective for endurance? So in summarizing, life is tough. Life is tough. But remember that Christ is supreme. He is worth it. He is the beginning and the end. The firstborn over all creation. And understand that the link to daily help me connect the truth of God's greatness and get past the crud and the misery of today is that faith. That same faith that Noah and Rahab and Moses, and you go through it, you look at them and pick a hero of faith because that's the connection that we need to have. That's the perspective. Forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. Back to chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we're going to see some of those in the actual verses here. Um, but the purpose for endurance. Do you ever wonder why we're even here? If my eternal blessing is to live with God at the feet of Jesus and to enjoy him with no tears, no pain, no sorrow, why in the world do we have to go through this 74 and a half years of crud here on earth? There is a distinct purpose. There is a reason. And I think it might help us in motivation if we, we have even a better view of that, of that uh, reason. I'm not claiming that we'll be able to understand it fully today, but if there's even a, a little bit that we can understand, it'd be a help. Look at verse 12, verse 1 again. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. There is a history, there is a lineage, there is a, um, a family trait for a follower of Jesus Christ. We need to take our line, our place in the line of God's great followers. And so there's part of a purpose here in that Christ and God's plan, for whatever reason, left his followers here on earth for them to live a life of endurance. Let's brainstorm a little bit for some examples. From Scripture, what do you know? What is our purpose for being here? What do you know? What, Kelsey? Yeah, to glorify God. To glorify God. That's a huge point. That's a huge point. And don't miss the significance of the struggle. You following me on that? 
The angels glorify God daily, right? Do they have many hindrances that get in their way? Do they have hunger? No, no hunger to distract them. Think about the opportunity that we have right here on earth. Think about the opportunity. If Moses didn't have the opportunity for the pleasures of sin, would he have had the opportunity to reject that, to live for God? He wouldn't, would he? We have to view this as an opportunity. This is a a purposeful opportunity to bring extra glory to God in a way that we couldn't if we just were right at the feet of Jesus immediately. You've heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Well, we're going to be blessed to give words to Almighty God for eternity, words of worship and words of praise. Where do we have opportunity to show those actions? What do you think? Here and now. This is our window. The the cloud of witnesses, not exactly certain who that's referring to, but I think it very well could be referring to those men and women of faith that we just heard about in chapter 11. They had a window of opportunity to live for God, to store up blessing, to glorify God and say, God, I'm faced now with these pleasures of sin and I choose you. You and I have that same window of opportunity. We know from the book of Corinthians chapter 5 that we are going to stand before Jesus Christ and we're going to give an account of this window of opportunity. We're going to give an account of how we lived here on earth. And the purpose of this opportunity on earth is to choose Christ and to forsake the pleasures of sin and to embrace the opportunity to bring glory to him by choosing him. There's something powerful in that. I don't quite get it all, but there's something powerful. And I have to ask myself, am I going to wake up day to day and continue to miss opportunity to glorify God? It'd be a terrible mistake for me to do that. Be a colossal missed opportunity. Young men and women, maybe in high school, maybe in college, you have so much opportunity And it may not feel like it, but you have an opportunity today and tomorrow to live for God, to live for Christ. You are significant. Your life matters now. God never said, wait till you're 25 and that's where the real living for Christ starts. This is your opportunity. And I'd urge you to consider, first of all, have you received Christ as your Savior? Do you understand, honey, have you put your trust in the reality that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins. And unless I accept that, receive that gift, that's not applied to me. I'd urge you to do that. I'd urge you to receive Christ as your Savior. For those of you that have, who are young, start now. My dad had a very irritating application of this. I didn't want to go to school. And what did he tell us, Benj? It's your job. School's your job. Well, I didn't like hearing it, but he was right. School is an opportunity for you to glorify God. School is an opportunity for you to give it your all, to do your best. Who cares? I'm not even necessarily talking right now about all the blessing that comes from a good education. I'm just talking about the chance to honor and glorify God. 
That's your purpose, young brothers and sisters. That's your, why you're here. Those of us that are older, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When you wake up tomorrow to go through the grind, your purpose for that job is to honor and glorify God. We've got to start believing that. We've got to start living that. If we truly had the perspective that Christ is all and in all, then I think my purpose for getting up in the morning can be very different and should look very different. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we have a, a, a place in the line of God's family to take and to uphold. We've had great examples go before us, not just centuries ago, but many of you in your own families. Take that opportunity to continue on. Other thoughts on that, questions on that? The purpose of endurance is, Kelsey said it, to glorify God with this opportunity of time, to live in a way, to run the race with endurance so that I can get to the feet of Jesus and he asks me to give an account and reviews the opportunity I took. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's look at the next part of those verses. What's the other purpose of endurance? It's to imitate Jesus Christ. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What does the word Christian mean? Follower of Christ. Follower of Christ. We are here to imitate our Savior. Our identity is in Christ. We need to follow the example of Jesus Christ. So part of the purpose of endurance is to imitate Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? We look at his example. Benji shared from Philippians 2 that his example was a servant's example, a humble example, putting others ahead of himself. We can see here that his example was a runner with incredible endurance. And he endured more than I've ever had to endure and I believe ever will. We know that. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't miss the encouragement there. Where is Christ now? He is at the right hand of God. Is he enjoying that place? Absolutely. There's a promise for this race being run. There's an end line. There's a finish line, and it's not far away. Don't miss out on the encouragement that, yes, we run to imitate Christ, but there is a reward waiting. There is a reward waiting, and it's not far from now. So purpose of endurance, one, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, as the Westminster uh, Confession said. But as Scripture tells us, that's why we're here. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. So the reason for this enduring race is to bring glory to God. There's an element, point two, there's an element of running this race 
so that we fulfill our role in the, in the great line of those that have gone before us. I think there can be a camaraderie there, an encouragement there. There's been centuries of men and women that have been willing to die for the sake of Christ. Will I be willing to live for him daily? The name of Christ, the family name is on the line. Let's pick it up. Let's run. Let's take our place. And finally, our purpose is to imitate Christ himself who endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's who we are. And I can put my head in the sand and pretend that this life is about me, or I can live out the reality that Christ is life. And I can run with endurance the race that's set before us. Let's look briefly at the power of endurance. The power of endurance. Take a quick look at Romans 6 with me. While you're flipping there, remember Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll read it to you while you're turning to Romans 6. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Sin feels impossible to overcome. Do you ever bump up against that? It's impossible to have a good attitude in this situation. It's impossible to turn my eyes away from that impurity. It's impossible to not be angry and bitter about this situation. The power of endurance comes from the power of Christ's sacrifice. Look at verse 6. What shall, I'm sorry, chapter 6 of Romans, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The harsh reality of, of a life without Christ is that you are a slave to sin. The glorious opportunity for the life with Christ is that you're free from the bondage of sin. What does that mean? It means that any belief that I have no choice is garbage. Christ has purchased a freedom from sin. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
I have the opportunity to say no to sin every single time. The old man, the part of me that had to sin, the part of me that was a slave to sin, what happened to that old man, Joel? It died. It is dead. And any time that I sin, it's not because I have to. It's because I'm choosing to drag a rotting corpse behind me of the old man. I am choosing to go back to the slums of death, strap that body onto my back as it rots, and carry it on. That's what my sin is. It's a choice to return to the death instead of living the reality that I am free from sin. You don't have to sin. When God says, be holy for I am holy, that is an opportunity. God has given everything you need for life and godliness. Look at 2 Peter 1. You don't have to sin one more time. Now, will you? I probably will. But why will I, Benj? Why will I? I want to. That is not an attitude for a runner in God's race. I have to change that. The power of endurance is that I am free from the law of sin and of death. When I sin, it's because I want to. That's got to change. That's got to change. The power of endurance is that Christ has abolished any obligation for me to sin. And I have every opportunity to choose purity and righteousness and love versus hatred and um, forgiveness instead of bitterness. And if I reject that opportunity, it's because I'm choosing to, not because I'm bound by frailty to sin. We need to understand the power of endurance. Another encouragement of power is from Galatians 5. Turn there with me if you could. Galatians chapter 5. Anyone know what that chapter's famous for, among other things? What is it? Thank you, Kelsey. The fruits of the Spirit. That's exactly right. But look at 16 leading up to the description of the, of the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 16 of chapter 5 of Galatians says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you escape sin? How do you lay aside the entanglements of sin that so easily hinder us, as, as Hebrews 12 says? How do you do it? You walk in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are clear and it gives a list of them. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's, look at that verse, verse 24, those who are Christ's 
have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we live in the Spirit, let's walk in the Spirit. The power of God himself, the Holy Spirit, lives in you to give you victory in the, in the race that you're to run. How do we lay aside sin, which so easily entangles us? We walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5 says, Do not be drunk with wine, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. That clearly shares that there is a, a choice that I need to make that says I won't be controlled by addiction. I won't be controlled by habit. I won't be controlled by peer pressure. I choose to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And if we walk in the Spirit, what happens to my choices? I choose God, I choose Christ, I choose obedience, I choose freedom from sin. And in effect, I daily lay aside the sin which so easily trips up my feet from running and I run with endurance the race that's been set before me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The focus, the perspective is there. The faith, believing that 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 picture of Jesus Christ being at his feet for eternity is real. It's there. I've got the perspective for endurance. I understand that my purpose is to run, to glorify God, and I know that the power for every step is already lined up for me. That God himself fuels the legs, fuels the body spiritually to run daily, to say no to sin, because of the power of God living in me and to run with endurance the race set before me. The excuses are gone. The complete package has been set up. Let's get the perspective. Let's fulfill our purpose and let's tap into the power for endurance. God will be pleased and our lives will be blessed. That's where the abundant joy of John 15 comes. When we start abiding in him, living that out, running that race, there's going to be joy. There's going to be joy. Father, this is not easy, not even easy to understand at times, Lord. So many questions, but those questions are, are, uh, are okay and good to keep working through. What's become clear to my heart, though, Lord, is that there's nothing that stops me from running this race except myself. There's no reason that endurance is out of reach. There's no reason that I can't lay aside the sin that would trip me up and, and run with endurance the race that you've laid out. I thank you that your son has gone before us and showed how to run the race. I thank you that he continues to sit at your side making uh, intercession for me, um, being my advocate to you, Lord. I thank you that you've given the Holy Spirit, that God himself lives in me and in my brothers and sisters, 
that we have the choice daily to walk with him, to allow him to control, to be controlled by the Spirit so that the fruit of his work in me will characterize my life instead of selfishness and sin. Lord, we need to live this out and we need your help. We need to encourage each other. I thank you for the the encouragement in Hebrews 2 that says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. That's right here. That's in the context of running this race, Lord. We need each other. It's not a single event. This is a team event. And so we pray that we'd lift each other up, that we'd bear one another's burdens, as your word says, and that we'd uh, encourage each other to run with endurance the race you've given. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.